Welcome back to For Our Faith podcast. Today we're going to be looking at My Church is Changing. When I listen to our old sermons, the preaching is different than what we are hearing today. Some members are saying we are becoming Calvinistic, but I don't know what that even is. How can I tell if we are becoming Calvinistic? Well, that's a great question, uh, certainly coming from a heart from someone that is no doubt seeking and searching and wanting to find some answers. And today we're going to answer that question operating under the assumption that this individual is coming from a congregation, a church that has historically held to the belief that it is possible for a believer to fall away and to lose their salvation through sin or disobedience or through returning to the world. Operating under that assumption, I would like to move forward in answering the question. In in Matthew 7, verses 13 through 21, we're going to just read portions of this. You you can read the whole uh, text there. But beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. There's more to go on there. Again, I'd encourage you to read the entire text there from Matthew 7, 13 through 21. But that providing a sort of a backdrop to what we'd like to discuss, I'd like to, in order to provide some context in answering this question, I'd first like to look at John Calvin himself. It's likely that if we're not sure what Calvinism is, we probably are unfamiliar with who John Calvin was himself. John Calvin was extremely instrumental in the Reformation of the 1500s, and originally he was a humanist. His theology was largely influenced by the pagan Stoic philosopher uh, Seneca and the theologian Augustine, who we hope to speak on in later podcasts. John Calvin wrote a systematic theology that even today is highly influential and strongly affects most of Western Christian culture today. His Institutes of Christianity, one of them, which is Unconditional Eternal Security, are found fully embraced or in numerous hybrid versions throughout much of the modern church in America today. It's, it's literally almost everywhere we, we look. John Calvin was a leading reformer in Geneva, and it's said of him that he ruled Geneva with an iron fist. Parts of John Calvin that most people today are unaware of, if you were to ask them, they generally would see John Calvin as a good Christian man, but what they're, they're unfamiliar with is, is kind of the dark side of John Calvin. And I think it's very important that we put, point this out because the scripture that we read there made it very clear that there are men who will rise up, false prophets who are wolves in sheep's clothing, and they will deceive people and they will destroy people. And you'll know them by their fruits. And so John Calvin had some fruits that we'd like to look at here in order to provide a little bit of context, a little bit of backdrop to what we'd later like to point out here. John Calvin was personally responsible for 58 people being executed. His way of dealing with people who disagreed with him on issues of the Bible was simply to kill them. And he was in control of Geneva. He was the man in charge, and so he had the ability to do that. And so he had men burned at the stake, uh, even using green wood, so it would take longer. It would be more painful, torturous. He had men drawn and quartered. That might be a term that you're unfamiliar with. It's, it's a gruesome way of killing someone. Involved having the victim hung in such a way that it did not break their neck. And so they would hang there suffering. And while they hung there, they would have 
they would cut their stomach open and remove their entrails and have their entrails burn before their eyes and then lay down and have their head chopped off. It's difficult for us living in this uh, postmodern culture to imagine something so cruel and brutal, but this is the fruit of a man who is still very largely uh, influential on Christian thought even today. It's hard for us to imagine why, except it's through ignorance of where these beliefs actually originated, the type of man that it actually originated in. But the fact is, is that his his Christian institutes are affecting many churches today, and we, we want to make it very clear that Calvinism is not the only problem that is facing the church, the historic church today. There's There are all kinds of other issues that are facing the church that are as deadly and as destructive as what Calvinism. Calvinism is just one thing that is infiltrating a lot of churches, and it is causing a lot of harm, a lot of destruction, and it's destroying a lot of people's lives, but it's not the only problem. And so we want to, we want to put that disclaimer out there. We're going to look at other problems as well, but this is one problem. And so it's likely if you're noticing a change in preaching and there's going to be some, some signs that begin to to show up. There's going to be some buzzwords. There's going to be some phrases that begin to come over the pulpit. And there's going to be ideas that begin to become expressed in conversations as you visit with other church members. And so you're going to have to really start paying attention. Your ears are going to have to kind of perk up. You're going to have to start picking up on some of these phrases and these buzzwords. You're going to also have to start observing what is your congregation actually doing? What what direction is it drifting towards? A lot of these drifts are, are signs of Calvinism, maybe not only Calvinism. It could be antinomianism. It could be a, a number of other things, uh, pragmatism and other philosophies of men that are also creeping in. But certainly it is can be representative of Calvinism. And so we want to point out some of these ways that will help you identify Calvinism coming into your church, and maybe your church is transitioning that way. These are going to be some things that you can begin to notice. The idea that if one falls away he was never saved, begins to circulate. The idea that it's very hard for one to lose his salvation begins to be shared and expressed. I'm going to read down through a list of things here. Some begin to hold to the idea of once saved, always saved. They actually begin to be opened about it. Initially, if you're part of a congregation that is working again from the, the premise that you can lose your salvation from that historic faith's position, Typically, there's a little bit of shame that goes along with this idea. They know that this isn't going to be full, and so they're kind of quiet about it. But at some point, it transitions to where people are actually vocal about it, and it begins to be teached, and they begin to actually outright say it. Along with this, then, the fear of God begins to be marginalized. It's hard to fear God if we believe that nothing we can do is going to earn his displeasure anymore. We're just, we're covered, we're saved, we're, we have nothing more to fear. So the fear of God begins to be marginalized. Worldliness increases. Again, it's why live a separated life? Why not relax and live a little if there's nothing that you can do to lose your salvation? Naturally then, doctrinal teachings of separation from the world and its sinful activities begins to just die altogether. So you will notice a a difference in sermons today versus sermons from the past if this is a transition that's occurring. The definition of sin and unrighteousness becomes blurred or left to individual interpretation. Sin increases while discipline decreases. It's pretty hard to discipline if there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. It it seems sort of a double standard and hypocritical to go through that embarrassing process if 
if it's not even possible to lose your salvation, why, why do it? Forgiveness of sins is emphasized more than overcoming sin and obedience to the word. Obedience to the word is viewed as legalism and works-based salvation. Again, just begin to, to listen and observe. Members begin to redefine themselves as sinners instead of saints. Political and social activism increases. Political offices begin to be held by members. Patriotism replaces the doctrine of the two kingdoms. And the idea of raising up a generation of culture shapers begins to be emphasized. And we don't have time to get into all of that right now, but as Calvinism as a complete system was developed in, a, in, in the, the way that it operated was is that it was church and state combined. And that's just the nature of it. It's, it, was, it was developed with that intent. And so it's, that's where some of these political uh, aspects come in as well. The teaching of non-resistance is replaced with self-defense on a national and personal level. A hierarchy of leadership replaces biblical brotherhood with strong and persistent emphasis being placed on obedience of the members to this hierarchy of spiritual authority and leadership. The literal interpretation of the scripture is replaced with theological interpretation. Material gain is viewed as God's blessing, while poverty shows God's displeasure. Non-swearing of oaths is replaced with swearing of oaths. And those embracing Calvinism within the church become increasingly aggressive and intolerant towards those who challenge the new direction of the church and desire to hold to the old faith. We hope that this will be able to help you identify if your church is transitioning from the historic faith into a Calvinistic faith. Again, there's some overlap with some of these, even with some other isms that are coming into the church, human philosophies that are corrupting and leading people astray. But we hope that it can help you in identifying this. We hope that our listeners will be stirred to ask more questions, even from this particular podcast. We welcome those questions. Please use our contact form on our website to submit those questions at info at forourfaith.com.